uh, that as a family you have are the souls of your family members. And uh, those souls uh, uh, will live eternally. And as parents, to understand that your children, they're eternal souls. And uh, uh, to understand that uh, uh, one day, uh, one day every person will stand before the Lord, give an account of their life and how crucial, how very important it is uh, to have a, have a family that knows Christ and serves the Lord together, walks with the Lord. I believe when we get to eternity, we're going to realize that all the things of this world, it was just a bunch of uh, uh, nothingness, really, in comparison to eternity, and uh, how important the souls of our family. So thank you for that message, uh, dear. Will the circle be unbroken? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, would you stand with me as we read together a portion of God's Word this evening? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read uh, just a couple of scriptures here, and then I'm going to have you turn to Matthew chapter 26 here in just a moment. Uh, uh, chapter 11, if you look with me uh, to start with, and uh, let's go to the first part of the chapter, verse number 1, and then we'll skip down to verse number 23. <clears throat> we read here, Be you followers of me, even as also I am of Christ. And he says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things. And notice this, keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. And then you skip over to verse number 23. And Paul says, For I have received of the Lord. And he's talking now about the specific ordinance of the Lord's Supper. He said, I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now, what it just state here that it is the Lord's Supper, and it is the Lord that gives the directions for the Supper. It's not what we want or what we feel or what we hope, or, uh, but the Lord is the one that directs it. And here's what Paul is saying, I've received of the Lord. I've received these directions, and here's the guidance for the Lord's Supper. And then he goes on to say, when he had given thanks, in verse 24, uh, when he had given thanks, he break it. He said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Now this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Now if you were to go back, and we'll not do this here tonight. We did this uh, last uh, Sunday night. But if you were to go back to chapter number 1, you would find this is a letter to a specific local church. This is directions that God has given for a local church for the observance of the Lord's Supper here in this section of that scripture. And so we believe that the Lord's Supper is a local church ordinance and it's under the setting of the local church that God provides for the discipline that is necessary in the observance of the Lord's Supper. It's in that setting of the local church that uh, we are able to be right with one another and it's in that setting of the local church that we seek as a church uh, to be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, with that I, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer this evening and would you pray tonight that God would have his way in our hearts and we want to respond to him as he gives us direction here tonight. Father we thank you tonight and it's always good to be in this place and Lord, we reminded here in this, in this last special song the importance of the souls of our family members. And Lord, how important it is that as parents, as grandparents, that, um, uh, that we constantly uh, seek uh, the salvation of our children, the salvation of our grandchildren, and, and Lord, the salvation of family members. And 
Lord, how important that will be in eternity. And uh, thank you for home. Thank you for family. And Lord, what a privilege it is. But uh, Lord, I, I can't even think of the tragedy of having family here upon this earth, but that family not being present with us in heaven. And, and Lord, just help us to be mindful of that importance. And Lord, thank you. Uh, here tonight, as we look at this uh, observance of the Lord's Supper, Lord, would you direct us, give us, uh, give us guidance, and give us principle here tonight that would be life-transforming for eternity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated here this evening. Uh, we have uh, uh, preached uh, last Sunday, and just in preparation, and we have said this many, many times, we believe this is one of the most important events here as a local church here at Valley Bible Baptist Church. And uh, we've made the statement this is for the membership of Valley Bible Baptist Church. Now there are many, uh, many uh, really privileges uh, of membership. And I think one of the, these privileges is the Lord's Supper. A lot of responsibilities of church membership. And we ask a lot of church members, but this is one of these privileges of church membership that God gives to us and uh, really interestingly we've had a lot of folks saved here recently and I had uh, several even this morning have reached out we're going to be baptizing next Sunday night and there have been several that have been saved and there have been others that have expressed and said we've been coming to Valley Bible Baptist Church for a while we believe this is where God wants us and we want to do whatever is necessary to be a part and to make this official uh, here to be a, a part of Valley Bible Baptist and I, I, I think this is very important as we look forward uh, to the Lord's Supper. Now the Lord's Supper is one of the two ordinances that God gives to the local churches. The first ordinance is that of baptism. And the second is that of the Lord's Supper. And we believe that uh, there is no saving power within these ordinances. They are simply pictures and they are types of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has already given unto us. Uh, when one follows the Lord in believer's baptism, he's giving a testimony of the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's also giving the testimony that I've died to my old life, I'm buried with Christ, and I'm raised to walk in a new life. Now with the Lord's Supper, uh, the Bible directs it as a memorial or as a remembrance of what Jesus has done. And that's what we're going to look at tonight uh, is that memorial, that remembrance of uh, what God accomplished, what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished for us. Now what we, we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, there's first of all a look back. And that's what we're going to take tonight is a look back, this memory. Uh, there's also a look within. And the Bible tells us that we're to search ourselves. That's very important. And then there's a look up. As oft as you do this, you do this uh, looking forward until the Lord comes. You do this in remembrance of me until the Lord comes. And, and so we're looking up. We're looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. And that's such an important thought. And I think all of us uh, would have to admit it sure seems. That may be very close uh, upon us. I want you to go with me to the Gospel of Matthew tonight, and we're going to spend just a little time here in Matthew chapter 26. And uh, as we look at Matthew chapter 26, um, and then we're going to expand and examine several other scriptures tonight. And I want to encourage you just to write some of these scriptures down, maybe spend a little time in preparation a uh, week and a little over a few days away uh, in preparation, preparing our hearts for the... Uh, the time when we as a church observe the Lord's Supper. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, let's pick up here in the middle of the chapter. And I uh, want to read here beginning at verse number 26. This is the night 
that the Lord Jesus Christ is betrayed. Uh, Peter, uh, excuse me, Peter Judas uh, sold the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, the Lord now has gathered in the upper room with his disciples. Uh, this would have been the Passover meal uh, that Exodus chapter 12 spoke of. We believe this would have been on a Tuesday night. I believe not in a Friday crucifixion, but in the Wednesday crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say the Wednesday crucifixion because that's the only way possible to fulfill uh, the three days and three nights in the, in the belly of the whale or in the earth. And uh, you'll find, according to, to Jewish uh, custom, uh, the new day begins in the evening. And so we found that and discovered that as we were in Israel. And uh, they have uh, uh, their beginning of the day uh, starts in the evening at sundown. And so we believe Jesus was crucified on Wednesday. He was taken down from the cross. He was placed in the tomb. He spent Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday night, Friday, Friday night, Saturday in the, in the tomb. And then on that third day, which is the beginning of a new day for the Jews, uh, that evening, sundown, Jesus arose. He appeared to the disciples then that Sunday morning, and that became the first day of the week. And that biblically fits, and you'll find that it fits all their customs and all of the Sabbaths and everything that would have been involved in the timing of the Passover meal. Uh, look with me in Matthew chapter 26, verse number 26. And it reads, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, the Bible reads that uh, we are to consider the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that bread is a picture of the broken body. And I want to take a time here tonight and just look at some scriptures uh, that would deal with that broken body and with the cost that uh, Jesus gave for our salvation tonight. Skip forward to Matthew chapter 26 and look with me in verse number 57. Matthew 26 and verse number 57. After Jesus had observed this time with his disciples, uh, in verse number 57, they, uh, we read they went out to the, uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane. It was there in Matthew or Luke chapter 22 that he prayed, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And then Jesus was arrested. And verse 57 reads, And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. We come as Jesus now, as we call this a kangaroo trial, false accusers, false witnesses brought in an effort to condemn Jesus Christ. In verse number 67, the Bible reads here, then did they spit in his face. Now think about this, this is the king of kings, this is the Lord of the lords. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, can you imagine, they spit in the face of God. They did spit in his face and buffeted him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands. They had no idea that this is the one that spoke the world into being. This is the one that had all power and all authority. He had but to speak the word. He could have called legions of angels. And yet they mocked him. They smote him. They buffeted him. Now as we move forward to Matthew chapter 27. And I just want to follow some of the scriptures and Matthew chapter 27 would tell the story of his crucifixion. 
When the morning was come, in verse number 1, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They found nothing worthy of death. They had to find and pay false accusers. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. You skip down to verse number 26. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus. Now to understand this scourging, he delivered him to be crucified. They would have taken a count of nine tails. Uh, they would have ripped into the flesh the back of the Lord Jesus Christ. As they ripped into that flesh, it would have removed the skin and left uh, the bare vessels and the, the meat uh, that would have shown. And uh, I can't imagine the, the pain. I was working out in the garden and I, I got just a little blister and I'm a baby. And that little blister just kind of hurt. And, uh, but here the body of Jesus is being broken uh, before all. As you move on in verse number 27, the soldiers took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. Again, this is the king, the God of the universe. Uh, we skip down to verse number 29. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head. And I think it's very fitting. Do you remember when sin entered into the world? Uh, the Bible tells us that there was the curse that came upon the land and no longer would the garden and the land produce without the thorns and without the thistles. So very fitting that they took a crown of thorns and it would take us back to the curse of sin and they platted this crown of thorns and they placed this upon the head of Jesus. And I've read stories about this that the thorns would have been maybe an inch, an inch and a half in length, and uh, they would have pressed these thorns into the bones or into the, into the skull of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, the blood uh, would have flown down. Uh, they pressed that into him, and they put it on his head, and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him, and they took the reed, and they smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him, and they put his own raiment on him and led him away to, be, to crucify him. Uh, and by this time, as this robe is upon the Lord Jesus Christ, this blood that is on his back uh, would have um, hardened, and now they are removing the robe. And you know what it is like to take a scab and remove that scab, and this would have been the case uh, with his body and his back and this broken body, again, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The pain, the excruciating pain that he would endure on this day. And they were come to the place, or it says in verse number uh, 32. And as they came out, they, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to the place called Golgotha, that is to say the place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when they had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him uh, and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. And it is stated of crucifixion, this would have been one of the most horrible uh, types of deaths that one could have endured or faced. And it's interesting here, verse 36 says, sitting down they watched him there. It's Almost as if Jesus has now become the, the spectacle 
of all of the world as they're passing by and as they observe Jesus and he's there hanging upon the cross and of course in excruciating pain. In verse number 37, they set over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And uh, then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. Now, he's been mocked of the Roman soldiers. He's been mocked of the priests. And now he is mocked of the, uh, the two thieves on either side. Now he's mocked by the crowds. And saying, Thou destroyest the temple, buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and elders, said he saved others himself he cannot save. If he be the king of the Jews, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And you're reading through these details of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It goes on in verse 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is a quote from Psalm 22 that we're going to look at in just a moment. And uh, again, I believe here the, the weight of the sin of the world is being placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we've mentioned, his body is being broken. He's suffering this excruciating, painful death upon the cross. But I believe the greatest pain that Jesus is dealing with is this separation from the Father. And the fact that the curse of God is placed upon Jesus Christ, the weight of the sin of the world, the guilt and the shame, all of that because Jesus is made to be sin for us, though he knew no sin. And there the weight of that sin, the wrath of God is poured out upon him. The fellowship is broken because sin always separates from God. And now sin has separated that fellowship and in that pain and that misery, uh, Jesus cries out, being forsaken of the Father. That's what he's dealing with. This is the broken body. This is the price. This is the, uh, the, the, the pain that has been endured for your salvation here tonight. He goes on to write in verse number 47. Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with vinegar to put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And said, uh, and uh, the rest said, let, uh, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And I would say to you, and this word here, yielded, is very, very important. Uh, they didn't kill Jesus. Uh, he gave himself. He yielded himself. Uh, he surrendered himself for the purpose of our salvation. We've said this over and over. He's the one that created the universe. He's the one that spoke the world into being. All he had to do was call the legions of the angels or all he had to do was speak the word and the world would have been destroyed. But he yielded himself. He gave himself. He was crucified. He was broken for us. There's no other that ever suffered like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take your Bible to some of the Old Testament prophecies of this event. Go with me. I mentioned to this, alluded to this, Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is uh, one of the Psalms of the cross. And again, I would encourage you just to take some time. We'll read a few verses, but encourage you to take some time, not only to read through Matthew 26, but to read through Psalm 22 in preparation for the Lord's Supper. We read just a moment ago in Matthew 26, 
the quotation of this verse, verse 1, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me from the words of my roaring? He states in verse number 6, I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. We read about that, didn't we, in Matthew 26. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying he trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. And that was directly quoted by one of the Roman soldiers who did not realize he was fulfilling the scriptures. You move on to verse number 14. Here the Lord uh, is expressing from the cross. And this, uh, remember, is a psalm of David. And David uh, went through some things in his life, but I believe the things that David experienced were only pictures and types of what the Lord would express and experience in greater detail. In verse 14, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. And beautiful picture of a death by crucifixion. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. The Bible spoke of that in Matthew chapter 26. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death, for dogs have compassed me about, or compassed me, and the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Isn't that amazing? Here's, uh, uh, here is David writing about this centuries before the actual crucifixion and yet perfectly fulfilled in the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. Another passage, Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52. Uh, as you look at one verse here in chapter 52, and then, of course, chapter 53. Was a, Isaiah 53 is a passage that when we were in New York City, had an opportunity of witnessing to a young Jewish man by the name of David, and uh, we were able to open in a Hebrew-English Bible to Isaiah chapter 53 and was able to share this passage with David. And here's David, a young Jewish man, not familiar with the New Testament. And yet as we read through this passage of Scripture, uh, he had had somebody tell him about Jesus Christ and he recognized that Isaiah 53 uh, was a marvelous prophecy of Jesus Christ. And he was so close to salvation. Uh, Isaiah 52 verse 14. Excuse me. As many, uh, as many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. I believe that uh, Jesus would have been unrecognizable upon the cross. He had been so beaten and so marred that the Bible is describing this more than any man, more than the sons of men. But we go to Isaiah 53, in verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. And this is the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as he's going to the cross. And verse number 11, describing of the Father, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. See, his body was broken for us. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 21, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Uh, if you think tonight about the worst thing that you've ever done, maybe something that you have laid awake at night and you felt guilt and shame, maybe something that nobody else knows about, but there's something uh, deep in the depths of your heart you know was wrong and uh, you have been ashamed to even admit that before God. You think about that. Uh, Jesus took that shame and he took that guilt and he bore the price that you owe and deserve. You think about what Jesus did upon the cross, every wicked thought you've ever had, every wrong word you've ever spoken, every wrong action of your life, he paid for it. It was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And his body was broken, he was crucified for you. The weight of your sin placed firmly upon Jesus Christ. This is why God the Father turned his back upon God the Son, because Jesus was bearing the weight of your sin out of my sin, he paid the price in full. I'm so thankful that from the cross, uh, Jesus cried, it is finished. It's done. The price is paid. It's completed. That's the broken body of Jesus. And the Bible tells us as we come together on Tuesday night that we are to take that bread and uh, we are to recognize this do in remembrance of me. We're looking back to what Jesus did for us, to the body that was broken, the crucifixion of Christ, this expression in Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, Matthew 26, other passages in the Word of God. So we remember the broken body. But we're also to consider the shed blood. You ever think about the blood and the importance of the blood? The Bible teaches without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. In Matthew 26, verses 27 and 28, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I'd like you to go to the Gospel of John for just a second, John chapter 19, and again, we're going to look at several scriptures here as we think about the shed blood. John chapter 19. And uh, as you look here from a different perspective of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come to verse number 33. Uh, verse number 33. As Jesus has cried in verse number 30, it is finished, and he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. And we come to verse number 33. And it reads, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. And again, that was fulfillment of prophecy. There was not a broken bone. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. 
He that saw it bear record and said it, the record, his record is true, and he knoweth that he, what he say, that he saith is true, that ye might believe. We see here the, the shed blood. It was crucial. His blood was perfect. It was sinless. It was sinless blood. It was holy blood. Uh, you see, Jesus Christ is God, and He's man. Uh, Jesus Christ did not have the blood. And let me just say this, Father, uh, fathers, I, I believe the Bible indicates that uh, the sin nature is transferred from the father to the children. And we find of the Lord Jesus Christ that he had a heavenly father. And in that heavenly father, that sin nature was not transferred to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we know that he was born of the seed of the woman. Uh, his blood was perfect. He was holy. He was sinful or sinless. He was the perfect lamb of God uh, that had been slain from the foundation of the world. The shedding of that blood was so crucial for the forgiveness of our sin. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews and chapter number 9 this evening. Hebrews chapter number 9. Again, when we come together on Tuesday nights, we're remembering the cost and the price that was paid for our salvation. In Hebrews chapter 9, uh, let's pick up in verse number 11. Hebrews 9 verse number 11. It says, But Christ being come, and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once, and that's important, once, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, I want to point out that once, and in this passage I'm going to read, you'll see this several times. Uh, when we come together on Tuesday night, we're not re-sacrificing the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is not His literal blood. Uh, this is a picture of the blood that was shed. Uh, Jesus died once for all. His one death upon the cross was sufficient. There's no need of a further sacrifice. That's the teaching of the Word of God. Now there are those that uh, teach each time uh, they partake of the Eucharist that each time they are re-sacrificing Jesus. That's an impossibility. His sacrifice that one time was sufficient. It goes on, verse 13, For the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling, the unclean sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Verse number 22, uh, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. And again we skip to verse 26, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many unto them that look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? And, and let me just state that in this context of the one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there is only one 
time that you need to be saved and you cannot lose that salvation because the one sacrifice was sufficient once and for all and when you've received that gift once and for all your eternal destiny is settled because that one sacrifice necessary uh, was paid for your sin and Fred you don't have to continue to get saved over and over and over again just as physically you're born into this world once you spiritually must be born again once and when you're born again once that one sacrifice was sufficient to hold you and keep you for all of eternity. We're remembering that when we come together as we observe the Lord's Supper. Now let's look at a couple of other scriptures. Go to Romans chapter 3 this evening. Romans chapter 3. I know this is a little different type of message, reading a lot of scripture, but I again want to encourage you to take these scriptures and read them within your own home. We go to Romans chapter 3, verse number 22. Romans 3, verse number 22. Again, we speak of that necessity of the blood. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, where there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. We go to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 7, very familiar passage. Romans 5 verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended this love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. We're remembering that shed blood. Go back to the book of Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter 20, and uh, one verse, uh, verse number 28, as Paul is meeting together with the leaders of the church at Ephesus, he gives them this reminder. He says to these elders, verse 28, Acts 20, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And the shedding of the blood of Jesus was necessary. Uh, the Lord's Supper bring, brings these things to the forefront in our hearts and in our minds. As we come together, Paul told us of both the bread and of the wine or the, we believe, unfermented grape juice because only the unfermented grape juice would represent the uh, purity of the Lord Jesus and its blood. Uh, Paul said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. He said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. I want to give just a couple of very quick thoughts here. Uh, why do we need this? How come we need to look back? Why do we need to remember uh, the price that was paid for our salvation? Why is this so important? I believe, uh, number one, it keeps us humble. You see, when we consider the price that was paid for our sin, we realize that it was none of us, that it was all of Him, that it was all of grace. There's absolutely nothing that we can do to add to what He already accomplished. I have nothing of which I can boast. Can you imagine myself taking the attitude, I'm going to fill the ocean with water. I'm going to take a cup and I'm going to fill this ocean just as fast as I can with water. It's an impossibility. 
And likewise, it's an impossibility for me to add anything to what Jesus has already done upon the cross of Calvary. It was paid in full. I have but to receive that precious gift of his salvation. It keeps us humble. I think that's what Paul expressed. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our salvation cost him a great deal. That would keep us humble. Uh, very quickly, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You'll notice this was the heart of Paul, the apostle. We call this the resurrection chapter, but Paul makes a statement. 1 Corinthians 15, I want to grab a hold of. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 9. Paul made the statement, I am the least of the apostles. I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace was, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. In all that Paul had been used of God to accomplish, Paul said, I'm nothing. I'm unworthy. All of it was God's grace. And I believe as we remember what Jesus has done for us, it will keep us humble. I would say, secondly, it keeps us grateful. May we never forget the price that he paid. May we always, always be grateful. That seems to be the heart of Paul in 1 Corinthians. He had been saved from a life of religion. Uh, the Bible speaks of that. He would never have to face hell. He told the story of the wife was home washing dishes. Husband came home, said, Honey, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? What's so sad? What's wrong? She said, nothing is wrong. I was just thinking back to the day as a 10-year-old girl, I received the free gift of salvation. I was realizing that I will never have to go to hell. And I was just thanking the Lord Jesus for that wonderful salvation. Why do we observe the Lord's Supper? Uh, it's to keep us grateful for the gift of salvation. He suffered what we deserve to suffer so that we wouldn't have to suffer and may we always, always maintain that grateful heart for the price that was paid for us. Keeps us humble, it keeps us grateful, but it keeps us focused. You think about what Jesus did for you. Paul recognized that God had saved him out of that life of religion. And Paul said, understanding that this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are ahead. I want you to look at a thought in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. Paul makes the statement, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Friend, when you understand what Jesus did for you, the love of Jesus will constrain you. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. I think what Paul is expressing is I think of the price that Jesus paid for me, uh, the debt that he gave, the debt that he paid. When I think about that, his love constrains me to serve him. He died for me that now I might serve him. And as we remember back to what Jesus did, it ought to refocus us to the purpose for which God has called us. Uh, one final thought that I want to give us. It, it keeps us prepared. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 11. 
1 Corinthians 11. And in this passage dealing with the Lord's Supper, uh, this will keep us prepared. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 26. We read just a moment ago. Verse number 26. As we come together Tuesday night, and this will be a week and a half away, not this coming Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to wander. I have a tendency to lose focus. I have a tendency to become complacent. Any of you like that? I have to constantly be reminded and drawn back to the fellowship of the Lord. And when we think about the Lord's Supper and the observance of the Lord's Supper in light of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe what we're doing is we're looking back so that we can deal with our hearts within so that we can be prepared looking up for the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is coming back soon. And as we think about this and what Jesus has done for us, it prepares us to meet the Lord Jesus Christ once again. I want to close by having you turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. And uh, as the Lord here talks about His church, you can see this is so very clear. In Ephesians chapter 5, uh, let's pick up here verse number 25 as we talk about the home, but it relates to the church in Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And he proved that love by what he gave himself for it. Why? That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Why? That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. See, as we come together for the Lord's Supper, the Lord is using this time to reveal to us the price that He paid. We're remembering that price that He gave, that He paid for us, that we might cleanse our hearts by the washing of the Word, that we might be prepared to be a church holy, without spot and without wrinkle, when our Jesus comes back again. And friend, I, I can't think of any other Lord's Supper that I believe is more important than this one we're about to observe. <laughs> I wonder if this will be our life. I wonder if we'll make it before the Lord comes. But I wonder if this might be our last one. I don't know. Uh, I just think it's going to be very important as the Lord uses this time to search us, to try us, and to refocus us, that we would remember what he's done for us, that we would always be humble, always be grateful, always remain focused, and always be prepared for Jesus to come back again. With that, let's go to the Lord.